And, and what I'm going to talk about, the end times, he started you for such a time as this, and he's got the right people, you two. You guys are so focused on the things of God. You can take your seats. You're so focused on the things of God. Um, ever since you guys, um, you picked us up and, and we were talking at dinner, just to see your focus on the things of God, I, I know God is pleased with you. And he's like, this is a situation where when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, he was baptized, and yet he did not start his ministry. And yet, God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So before he even started his ministry, which lasted for just three and a half years, God was already pleased because God already knew his heart. And that's how I feel about you guys from the moment you took over just last year. God is already pleased with what is happening, amen, and what is going to happen. Because he knows your heart, amen? Praise God. So we're going to honor you guys. We're going to prophesy to you guys a little later, amen? But let's just thank God again for the overseers, amen, Apostle Harry and Doreen, our friends for so many years. How can you not love this couple if you're a Christian because they never held back and never was ashamed of the things of God? Come on, somebody. Amen. Listen, I tell people, Pastor Harry, Apostle Harry, he could be in a building with 30,000 Christians, and none of them will stand up and shout, but he will still get up and shout if he feels the Lord moving. And they'll all be looking at him, but he doesn't care because he believes he wants to give God the glory. Come on, somebody. That's how we need to be. We, we don't need to be ashamed. Amen. And he's definitely not ashamed. So I love you, man of God. I love you, woman of God. Amen. Well, listen, I want to start off with just sharing some things. How many know that we are in some tumultuous times, some perilous times? Amen. So I want to start off talking about signs of, of living in the end times. And this is so clear to me that we're living in the last days. And if you're a believer and you're a studier of the word, then you can see the signs all around us. And so what does the Bible say? What does God have to say? 2 Peter 3, verse 1 says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stare up your pure, your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So this is the, the day that we're living in. People are mocking believers. They're mocking our faith. They're mocking the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where is he? How come it hasn't happened yet? So we're starting to get pushback, amen, as time continues. And this is what Paul is letting us know. Isaiah 46 says this in verse 9. It says, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I'm God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Here is letting us know that God is a God that reveals. God wants us to know what's going on. He doesn't keep things from us. The word occult means secret. There's nothing secret about our God. So he declares the end from the beginning. He's already let us know what's going to happen. 
He already showed us that Jesus would um, be on the cross. He would die on the cross in Genesis. He said that the serpent would bruise, amen, the, um, his head, and Jesus would bruise the serpent's heel. But that shows that God already pointed out that even though Adam and Eve fell, man fell, God had already made a savior, put a savior in the wings from the very beginning. See, there's nothing that God is not aware of. He's omni, omniscient. So he knows all things. So he knows your end and beginning. And so he's letting us know that what's happening and what is going to happen, we can already know. Amen. And he says that I reveal things to my prophets. Amos 3, 7. Surely the Lord, and this is a powerful portion of scripture, surely the Lord God will not do anything or only, but he, sorry, but he reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Amen. And that's Amos 3, 7. So God is always revealing to us his will, and he's using prophets in these last days like never before. So he's using the apostles and he's using the prophets to reveal his will. And in the beginning of the church, if you look in the book of Acts, right, right before um, the book of Acts, we see that Jesus was told um, or talked about by John the Baptist. He was a forerunner. And when he came on the scene, he came and he established apostles. So it was Jesus, the foundation, and then it was the apostles. And so the church was established on the foundation of Jesus and apostles and prophets, the prophets being the prophets of the Old Testament. And so the church began in the book of Acts. And the Bible tells us, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. And so now we're starting to see the apostles and the prophets come forward again in the last days. Why? Because we are at the very beginning of Jesus' coming back. It can happen any moment. Because we see everything lining up. Things have been lining up since 1948. In May, on May 19, 1948, what happened? Israel became a nation. And when Israel became a nation, it fulfilled prophecy that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24, where Jesus began to tell the apostles what would be the signs of the last days and the end of the world. And the first thing he said is, be not deceived. Now, if you, underst if you can understand that, back almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, be not deceived. That's the first thing he said. He didn't tell them what the signs were. He just said, don't be deceived. Well, he said that because there's going to be a lot of deceivers. To the point where, if you've read the scriptures, the Bible says that Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. And then it says, then how much more his servants, right? That they can also appear as messengers of God or messengers of the light, deceiving many. See, and now we look at the day and age that we're in, and we can see how deception can easily take place. And it is taking place right now because we look at social media. We look at the Internet. We look at people who are on there speaking and teaching different doctrines other than the doctrine of Jesus Christ. They think they have a word, but they don't have God's word. They have a word, but it's another man's word or another philosophy or another religion or it's the devil's word. And people are falling into 
believing the lie, and we're seeing it more and more. That's why when I came in here, this is what God is doing in abounding grace. He is adding to the church. He's going to continue to add to the church end-time warriors. End-time warriors. These are men and women who love God. Christ, who will follow Christ, and because they love Christ and follow Christ, they will be faithful in the ministry. They won't just show up and take up a seat, but they will get up out of that seat, leave the sanctuary, and make a difference in the world. Come on, somebody. They're going to take the message that you guys are giving them, amen, and they're going to run with it. Habakkuk 2.14 tells us, take the vision, write it down, and make it plain so that you can have it to give to someone that they can run with. The teaching and preaching in the churches today is going to be a a taught preach. It's going to be a preaching and teaching that gives understanding and enlightenment so that you're not just running around and rolling on the carpet, but that you're sitting there, and if you do feel like running around, that's all right too, but when you run up out of here, you're going to run out with some knowledge. You're going to know why you ran. You're going to know why you felt the Holy Ghost. You're going to know why you want to prophesy. You're going to know why you want to lay hands on somebody. You're no you're going to know what God wants you to do. You're not just going to be doing things because you feel it. No, you're going to be doing things because you know the voice of God. And God said, do this. God said, do it now. And you won't be unfamiliar with the voice of God. Man, right now, I, I want you to know God wants you to hear his voice. As I speak, listen for God's voice. If you listen for his voice while I'm speaking, you will not be deceived. But the only way that you can know his voice as I'm speaking is to know the word. For the word is his voice. And that's why we must study this word. We can't study the, the, our jobs description and, and how to do the job and, and how they want us to do it when we show up at 9 o'clock. Come on. Or, or what we signed up for. We have to know this more than we know our contracts. You see, because the Bible says in Colossians 2, it says, listen, don't worry about working unto men. Work as working unto God, for your reward comes from God and not man. That's why the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. I don't know about you, but if I work as working unto the Lord, promotion is around the corner. Somebody's going to bump me up. Somebody's going to give me the promotion. Come on, somebody. Why? Because if I please my heavenly father, he has the heart of the king in his hand, the Bible says, and he turns it whichever way he wants. Come on. After a while, Pharaoh had to let Israel go because God was not going to allow it. No matter how strong Pharaoh was, Pharaoh, right? Egypt was the United States of their day. And yet God in heaven, not even seen by man, was able to harden his heart to the point where he let the people of Israel go. When man, no man could get to the Pharaoh. Come on. But God. Somebody say, but God. Somebody say, but my God. Say, my God. See, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a righteous indignation that has to come on the church. And I know it's on the church right now, but it's not on everybody, but it's on some. Amen? Because without righteous indignation, you cannot, you will look at what's going on, the perversion and the LGBT and, the, and all of these things that go against not me, but the Bible. And you would just look at it and accept it when God says, don't accept it. 
just tell them you love them, but be bold enough and unashamed enough to tell them this is not God. Oh, somebody ought to make some noise. Somebody ought to make some noise in this place. If you're a believer, if, if you're a Christian, you ought to make some noise and give God a shout. Because one of the first things I realized and remembered when I read the Bible as I was at Louisville in my junior year in the summer of 1985 when I rededicated my life, I began to read the scriptures. And one of the scriptures that stuck to me was, if you are ashamed of me, Jesus said, before men then I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Man, I tell you. Now, I know order, and I'm a follower of order, and I'm, I'm a ball player, former basketball player. Not former. I still play. Don't play. And so when I read that, I realized, I said, listen, well, this, this sounds like I better, I better fear God so that I'm not ashamed of him when the, when the world comes at me and threatens to punk me or, put, or tell me to, you know, you better not talk about Jesus. You better not say that. Well, I better not be ashamed because if I am, he'll be ashamed of me in heaven. And see, what Jesus was saying is, he said, I'll be ashamed of you in heaven before my father. That's every day right now. Not at judgment after the rapture. That's right now. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is interceding for us right now. That's his job. He's not done, even though on the cross he said it's finished, but he's not done because he went to heaven. He's at the right hand, but he's working. He's still interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's saying, Dad, look, he obeyed you. Bless him. Dad, send some angels. Tell your angels to go ahead and do what she's asking because they, she's been faithfully praying. She's been faithful to her husband. She's been faithful as a mother. Oh, come on. She lo oh, y'all better get... get. <laughs> And, she, and he's been faithful in the job. The persecution, he still stood. He still called your name. He wasn't ashamed of your name. He said, who do you serve? Jesus. You still, you know, even with a gun at his head, he said, I still love Jesus. Come on. And that's the times that we're in. And so this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be on fire for him. And that's what God is adding to you guys. He's adding people who are not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Who, who, are, who are not ashamed to lift up his name, who are not ashamed to pray openly, pray out in public, lift up the name of Jesus. Say, I'm a Christian. Amen. In public. Come on, somebody. So let me get Let me stick with this here. First Thessalonians five, one, it says, but the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know per perfectly that that day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. So therefore, see, when he talks about this, he's talking about children of the dark. They will not see Christ coming. They're not in the light. They don't recognize the light. 
The Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they might not see or believe Christ. So Christ is light, and yet when they see him, they won't believe in him. How is that? Because there's a supernatural demonic blinding that takes place over those who are not seeing Christ, who don't believe in Christ. And so that's what's going to happen. People are, are sleeping right now, and they need to be awakened. The way they're awakened is through your testimony, through your life. See, that's, where you, that's why you can't be ashamed. See, you can't sit up here and praise God openly, a dance openly, and then go out there and act like you never, you never knew about service. You, did, you didn't know about Jesus. You, what? Who, me? P- praise the Lord? No, I don't do that. Who, love Jesus? No, no, not me. Because you're afraid of them talking about, oh, you're one of those Christians. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're one of those Jesus lovers. You're afraid of that. Come on, church. Yeah, yeah. See, what, what made us win games? We, won the, we were the number one school in high school my senior year, right, in Camden High. We were number one at the University of Louisville my senior year, won the national championship. Then we were number one at, at L.A., Lakers, with Magic in them, won two world championships back-to-back. You know why we weren't scared? Because we knew who we were. And we knew we, knew we had game. But we knew, like, we had game, like, that's better than all their game. No, I'm just saying, you can think what you want about your game, but we knew what we knew about our game. And we knew our game was better than all y'all game. Look, somebody at one point in time in in the world, in time, in time, is going to be on top. Why not you? So... In Christ, anyone who is in Christ is on top while you're sleeping and when you're awake. Oh, give, give, give it. Come on. You're on top because Christ, coming into Christ, puts you in that position. See, when we're in Christ, Christ is on top. See, John 1 tells us, and read John 1, it's a beautiful book, but it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men, right? Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, amen? And the Word was God, and there was nothing that was made that was not made by the Word. And then later it says, that Word became flesh and dwelt amongst men in the form of who? 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 See, the army's rising. The army's rising. Right? In the form of Jesus. See? And, and, And so when you're in Christ, Christ is in you. It's not a it's not a Christ thing. It's a we thing. So when when you're in Christ, when you've received Christ. Amen. John 1 goes on and tells us, as many as received him, gave he them power to become the sons of God. Jesus um, says, I'm a son of God, though he's a son of man. But when we're in Christ, we receive him, we're in Christ. But if we receive him and we're in him, yet he's in us. The two become one. It's like a marriage. You guys were no longer single 
when you got married, when you said, I do, it was one. And we, we look at you and we see one. People look at us, and early in the relationship, before we got married, people were walking around saying, are you two married? And that kind of helped her say yes. Because <laughs> she was like, anyway. But that was like the fleece, right? She started hearing that, and she started throwing fleeces out. Is he the one, Lord? And then God had all the people say, are y'all married? We weren't, but it seemed like we were one. And so if we're one in Christ and Christ is one in us, then the anointing, the authority, the power that Christ has, we have. And it supersedes gold, silver, diamonds, letters behind our names, letters in front of our names, or titles, and words in front of our names. It, it's a supernatural power, and it's beautiful. It's humble. It's meek, but it's powerful. Because it has all authority, right? And that's, that's who lives in you. That's who we are. We have that power so that we can not just talk the gospel and study the gospel, but that we can demonstrate the gospel. See, and that's, so if you know in whom you believe, you will never be fearful. You won't be afraid, but you'll be on the offensive. You'll be on the attack. The Bible says, they that shrink back, God is not pleased with us, but they that press forward onto the mark, amen, of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Somebody gives God some praise. That's where we press, man. We press towards the mark of the high calling, amen, because the high calling is royalty. Come on, we're, we're priests and kings. You're royalty. We are here to show the world how human beings are supposed to walk and talk and interact. Oh, y'all getting excited. Y'all get me excited. Kingly. Come on, somebody. Amen. Kingly. And kings have authority. Amen. And so you're walking with authority. That's why Jesus said the things that I do and greater shall you be able to do. And that's what's about to manifest in these last days. The world is about to see the supernatural power of God in the earth. Because there are men and women like yourself who love God to the core, to your heart, and you're not ashamed of them, and you're going to begin to bring what God is doing in secret out in the open so the world can see. Come on. This here praise and worship and love and, and power is not just for us on Sunday, but this is for the world every day. For the world to get every day from you and you and you in middle school and high school and college and in the offices, the workspaces. Come on. It's for everybody out there to see the power of our God and who Christ is. Come on and feel the power of the kingdom and see it. Amen. Because the world is moving in darkness. Isaiah 60 says darkness is covering the earth and gross darkness to people. Darkness is covering the earth. We see darkness through the natural order of things. We see hurricanes and, and, and earthquakes in diverse places, pestilences and all these things. But then we see the gross darkness. This is the world off its axis. This is the world out of sync. From the fall, the world began to fall. From before the fall, the world was perfect. Amen. There was no void. But after the fall, amen, things started to decline. It's on a state of declining. But guess what? The dark, the gross darkness is evil on the people. Gross Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness to people. That is the spiritual activity, demonic activity that comes to visit us. 
to oppress us from the outside or possess us from the inside. And if you look at all the movies and supernatural things that are taking place in the movies, you'll see that the world is producing the supernatural right in front of us. And now they're starting to reveal even more of what's happening. They're showing us portals and dimensions. If you've seen the last Doctor Strange, it's just so perverted and so demonic. They, they, they just went all the way. They, had, they, they just had portals open, and, and then they had the demonic spells and symbols and all of this just wild. Even when I saw it, I said, my God, look at where the world is. Look at where we are on the timetable before the Lord comes back. Since Harry Potter, our kids have been walking around dressed like witches and wizards and casting spells and, and Disney makes it look fun. Why? So the kids would like it. But the Bible says it's an abomination. It's witchcraft. It's against God. It's against God. It's against light. It's darkness. And yet we're glorifying it. We're pushing our kids into it. Oh, Harry Potter wand. Oh, all it. But the devil is slowly being subtle and sly. He's slick. He's going to move it in easy. And that's what he's been doing. Amen. And so we see that happening. We see um, people teaching, um, reading books that says, I have two daddies. I have two mamas. Do you know that is one of the top two signs that Jesus said would manifest before he comes back? That is a sign of Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on. Somebody say yes. We see it, right? We see it. Let me jump to that, and I'm going to let my beautiful wife come in here and Get into this. Matthew 24, 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. Amen. So how many know what happened during Noah's time? It says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Um, then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. So this is good because it's, it's showing us. It says, Jesus is saying, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before he returns. Because they asked him previously, what will the signs be? So he gave them this. After he said, be not deceived. And he gave them Noah. Why? Because during the days of Noah... The Bible says that they were giving in marriage and eating and drinking. That giving in marriage is supernatural. It wasn't just men and marrying women. It was the Nephilim that was having sex with the women, human beings. And the Bible says that they gave birth to giants, right? So really, I'm sorry, it was the fallen angels having sex. It was the sons of God having sex with the women, human beings, like all of you females here giving birth to the giants, right? So these are like hybrids. And so they were called Nephilim. So God has an order. He made them male, female. He made them what? Male, female. And, and so male and female can procreate. They can have sex and they can make love and they can 
get intimate and have babies, and the human race can continue. But a man and a man can't continue the human race. A woman and a woman can't continue the human race. Who made man? God. Who's mad at God for making man? Satan. So Satan doesn't want man to live as God wants him to live. He wants to pervert. So he's going to do everything he can to whitewash our minds, deceive us, so that we can believe a lie. Because the lie today is being believed, that it's okay for a man and a man to be together and a woman and a woman to be together. Y'all better make some noise up in here because I know I'm in a radical church. I know you love all people, but I know you love them enough to tell them the truth. Come on. I don't hear y'all. I don't, don't get quiet. Listen, you're not getting quiet on me. You're getting quiet on God because I'm only teaching God's word. I'm trying to tell you what God says. And if you're a believer in God, then you're going to follow what God says. You're going to stand with me. I'm going to stand with you because we're going to be standing with Jesus Christ. Because in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess who Jesus is, that he is Lord, not just Lord over heaven, but he's Lord over earth and all creation. Come on. You can get mad all you want. I'm telling you. But I'm trying to tell you, God. God loves you, and I love you too. Come on, somebody. That's one thing I made sure I did. I said, I was in Israel, played four years in Jerusalem, and I, would, they, I was writing, Jesus loves you, or Yeshua loves you, and I do too, on my autograph. And it was amazing because, you know, the, the ultra-Orthodox got wind that I was witnessing the people, but that was like my witness. And they got mad because people were starting to follow the team because of me, and they were like, listen, we love your God. The fans were like, we love your God. And when I was going to leave, they were chanting, Billy, stay, stay, and we'll serve your God. Now, you know the Orthodox Jews didn't like that, man, right? They came, listen, it was so bad. One morning we were taking family pictures because when I came there in the first year, we were picked to finish like 12 out of 14 teams. We were in second place, like midway. So they were, we were big, and they were doing a, a shoot for us, photo shoot for an interview for a newspaper. And we were standing there, and I told Cynthia, Dr. Cynthia, remember I said, honey, it feels like somebody's watching us, like they were watching Dr. Martin Luther King with ill intent, with the intent to, like, like take me out. But it would, and the next morning on the Jerusalem Post front page, it had Billy Thompson. We want him out of the country. The next morning, after God put that in my spirit, we want him out of the country. He's a missionary. Get him out. So they didn't want to kill me, take me out. They wanted to get me out of the country. But I felt that. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. I need somebody to say the Holy Spirit is my comforter. He's my guide. He will lead me. I want you, I'm telling you right now, just put your hands up if you're a believer in the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, continue to lead me. Show me my steps. For the Bible says, <clears throat> the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Praise God. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing to lead me. We may make mistakes because we're not God, so we don't always know that was God. But thank God we can say, I'm sorry, and hear him and get back on track. So I want you to make sure today you're saying right now, just go ahead and say, oh, Father, forgive me if I've gotten off track, not doing what you wanted me to do. I repent, and I ask you to show me clearly my steps, my next.
Amen. Glory to God. So the Holy Spirit showed me that and those things he did. So that was the persecution that I came up against because I stood for the name of Jesus. Yeshua, I love you. I mean, Yeshua loves you. I love you too. And that's how we have to approach all of these people who are not doing it God's way because we used to do it the wrong way too. And, and the church said, <laughs> I know I had my stuff going on, baby. God was like, okay, you're back again asking for forgiveness. Yeah, yeah I messed up. But um, it's very frequent now. I'm not perfect, but it's very frequent that I'm saying I'm, I repent of a sin. We should grow. We should mature. Jesus says, seek to be perfect as I am perfect. So perfect is maturity. So there's some of us who are more mature than others. And we help the, Im more, the immature, like parents, but like brothers. We're a brother's keeper. So we're going to continue to do that, but we still have to grow up. Amen. So that the Bible says that, that we don't, if we need forgiveness, right, there is one that will forgive us. It's Jesus Christ because of his work, right? If we need it. That means we don't have to sin. It says, if you should sin, there's an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus. We can ask for forgiveness. But it said, if. So we don't have to. So you're not, a, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint saved by grace. You don't sin. Did anybody sin this morning? Well, if you did, don't raise your hand. Sorry. Just repent. But think about it, like you woke up, but God gave you another day. You didn't have to wake up. We went to sleep, so you woke us up. We said, thank you for another day to shine your light and, and love on the world and, and do whatever I do excellently to my best to honor you. So I'm not a sinner. I'm talking as a saint. I just had to deal with that because people say, oh, I'm just a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Thank the Lord. No, I'm a saint now. Uh-uh, we're, we're up, amen? Praise God. So listen, so let me get back to this. So they knew not, right, during the days of Noah until the flood came and took them all away. But it didn't take away all. Noah was saved. And how many were saved? Eight, symbol or the number of new beginnings. So God has a plan. He already has the future laid out. The deal is we want to be a part of God's future and not the devil's. Amen. So five wise virgins and five foolish. The Bible says there were ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. And when the Lord came, right, five wise virgins said, listen, give me some of your oil because they weren't ready. And the other five who were wise said, no, because if I give it to you, I won't have mine and I won't be able to go with the Lord. So the oil represents relationship. When the world becomes more important than the Lord, you'll spend more time with the world. And though you're a believer, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is like, why aren't you in prayer and not over there? Why aren't you in the house of God instead of over on your job or at the golf course? Come on, see? And so you're putting your time, your oil 
over here, lighting up your life over here, keeping your light burning strong here, but over here in the things of God, relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not lighting it up at all. There is no relationship, no oil burning. So when the Lord comes, you're, you're going to be without. Amen. So if that's you in the room, get your oil level up. Get your relationship up. Amen. Keep it high. And if you're already there, stay there. Amen. Praise God. Mm. I'm just skipping stuff here. Okay, so this is the other one. Well, yeah, it's a lot. Listen, I was saying to myself, I was like, how long do they have this room? Because we could just, we can do um, training camp. In basketball, we had training camp, two-a-days, you know, in there for like three hours in the morning, take break, come back another three hours, four hours in the evening, just to make the team. Yeah, see who can handle it, see who can make it through. So that's why we call the um, apostolic meeting in, Bo in, in Deerfield, uh, the apostolic intensive, we call it intensive because it's intense. It's, you sit in there you, all morning, and then you get a little break for lunch, and then all afternoon, and you're getting some of the, the latest speakers on the planet, right, that God is using in various ways. And it's intense. Amen. Um, 2 Peter 2, 5, 9, and I'll, I'll let Dr. Cynthia come. So I was saying, I just don't, we can stay here all day, but we got to let you go home. Amen. My bishop would always say early in ministry, he said, Billy, remember, um, God said to Moses, let my people go. <laughs> How many want to get let go, go right now? You better not raise your hand. I saw your hand, little lady, and I'm going to get you. I can still dunk. I'm going to take you up with me and dunk you in there. I'm going to get And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eight person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, but saved Noah. Verse 6, here we go. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You see that? And so that was the righteous indignation that's rising up in the believers because of the perversion and things that we're seeing today, right? And just learning how to express that in these last days, to warn the people, to be a blessing to the people. You know, you do it with love, but, but you have to do it. Amen? Listen to this, Genesis 19.4. Genesis 19.4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even... The men of Sodom compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and they said unto him, Where are the men which came in the, into your house this night? Bring them out to us that we may have our way with them. This is in the Bible, guys. Right? Hello? Verse 6, And Lot went out at 
the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, men, and do to them as whatever you want to do, what's good in your eyes, right? Only unto these men that were guests that came into my house last night, do nothing, for therefore they came under the shadow of my roof, right? And the people outside, which were all men and young men, they said, stand back, Lot. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn with us, and he will needs be a judge. Meaning Lot just came into the neighborhood. He just moved in. And they said, oh, he's going to tell us what we can do and can't do. Because they, they were all about men getting with men. And they saw men come into his house that night. And the next day, they're at his door. We want them. Fresh meat. This is in the Bible, right? And so this one fellow came and sojourned with us, and they pressed sore against the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men, who were really angels, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. The angels smote all of the men outside with blindness, both small and great, so that they weary themselves to find the door. I, I brought this scripture because it shows the aggressiveness of the, that spirit. See, the enemy will come after us, and he will not stop until he has us. If he has, and he'll force his way in. Lot was being kind. He's being nice, like the church. Do it in love. Tell the truth in love, right? And he even offered his daughter. That is powerful because here's a man of God. He truly loves God because they came for his guests. He just met them, but he knows they're angels, so he knows they're godly. He knows they're a part of God's system, and he knows that they're greater than he is. Come on, somebody. In that God sent them on a mission to be with him and his family to the point where he reverenced the things of God more than even the things that he had that was valuable. Valuable. And the most valuable thing that a man or a father has is his children. And yet he was offering his children, his two daughters to them, and they said no. And they begin to push their way into Lot's house. That's the aggressiveness. That's, that's that spirit of the Antichrist working through people that at the end he's going to get it any way he can. And that's why John 10.10 says the devil came to steal kill and destroy, but Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. To me, that sounds like a peaceful life. Come on, abundant life, enjoying life. Amen? But the devil doesn't want you to have that. And so that's a sign of, of the world that we're living in now as we're seeing this darkness cover the earth and the gross darkness people. See, and that's why we have to be Christ-like. In these last days, we have to show love more than anything else. You hear me? We have, we have to show love, but the Bible shows us that even with showing love, there's still going to be a pushback. So be ready for that. And the pushback makes you cry. I'm going I'm to let you come up. The pushback makes you cry. Because if what you believe is true, that whoever believes in Jesus will go to heaven, whoever doesn't goes to hell, that's a word that we don't preach much in churches today because we're seeker-friendly churches, so everything's got to be, yay, everything's great, praise the Lord. 
And everything is great in Christ, but there's the other side that's not so great. If your brother dies or sister dies and goes to hell, that's not great because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. So the greatest thing is to introduce and pray that they receive Jesus. And, and so this love is, is given where, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and know how much he loves you. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to be like Jesus was before he was crucified. The week before he was crucified, he was on the Mount of Olives, which is the same place that he's going to put his foot down when he comes back. And that's my favorite place when we go in Jerusalem and take tours over there, take people over there because of that fact. But the Bible says that he came to the Mount of Olives and he was riding on the donkey. And the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were celebrating because they were the people that knew who he was. And he was receiving it. Yes, thank you, thank you. But they knew who he was. But then he looked at Jerusalem, the city, and the Bible says he wept because he's weeping for the people who did not know who he was, did not receive him because he knew their end. It goes on to say that he knew that the city was going to be trotting down and, and it was, would be by Rome because in A.D. 70, Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem and the people, many people died because they came for the gold that was in the temple. But he saw that and he wept for the unbelievers. So as I close, as I hand the mic over, who have you wept for lately? Because the end times is not just the world and darkness covering the earth and gross darkness to people. The end times is filled with the love of the body of Christ, of believers going to them. And even if they push you and argue and try and beat you up, do all manner evil to you, you still have a heart to try and win them to Christ. Come on, somebody. Whether you're praying, whether you're sending emails, texts, whether you're doing IGs, you're out there, you're just trying to reach them. And you don't give up. Because, guys, this is so important. We're talking about all eternity after this life. Amen. And so whatever evils that we're seeing them do, and we're seeing it come out. How many know that the new world order is what the Bible talks about that's coming into play? And in that new world order of the enemy, you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And it's 666, and it's the number of a man. Because Satan's going to empower someone to be the antichrist. And in the midst of darkness and more wars like the Ukrainian-Russian war, as the world continues to go in that direction, and it is going... Uh, there, there's going to be a king, a king that rises up, a man, a human being that's going to rise up, and he's going to solve all the problems of the world. He's going to bring unity into all the nations. There won't be any borders. And COVID showed us how it's going to happen because it said that you can't go into any country without a passport, COVID passport, right? If you have it, you can come into our country. Well, they move further because now we have digital currency. So when you look at cryptocurrency, you realize that, you know, the, the amount of Bitcoin is the amount of Bitcoin. That amount is the same in the United States and China. So you don't have to do dollar exchange of currency, right? What is the value? Okay, there's a value dollar here and over in China. The yen is this amount. So what is the conversion? How many yen do I get for one dollar? You don't have to do that. If it's all digital... It's all, Bitcoin is, what, 24,000 today or something? Then it's 24,000 in China. 
it crosses borders. And so they're going to knock down borders so that they can be one world and there'll be one world order rule. There'll be just a group of people ruling the world. And there'll be one who will be that leader because Revelations tells us that. It's not like I'm making this up. But now as we, we can see it happening, it's right in our generation. Right? It's just a matter of time. When you heard the, when the net, early when we had the internet, it began to be called the net. Well, what's happening is they're, they're slowly pulling the net in as a fisherman. They let the net stay out, and now they're pulling it in and seeing what fish they caught in the net. Well, that's what they're about to do. They're going to pull that net in, and they're going to control the net or any, everything in it, and that's us. But God told us that. So while we're living in this world, let us be mindful that we are the light of the world. And without us, the world will get darker and darker. So look to your brother and sister and say, look, man, the world needs you. They, to go tell somebody the world needs you, your light. Come on, your giftings. If God made you gifted in a, as a doctor, as a teacher, as a baller, amen, amen. Well, go into that atmosphere and let your light shine. Be a light and let them know, man, Jesus loves you while you're kicking their butt on the basketball court. Hey, Jesus loves you while you're doing heart surgery and you do it so well, they get up and they say, man, thank you, doc. I made it through. And you say, yeah, well, I give glory to God who gave me this gift. Come on, somebody. There's like, God, who, what God, what God, which God? Because there's many gods, doctor. Oh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes by the name of Jesus. Oh, that God. Well, I'm going to check him out because you ain't no joke. <clears throat> you, ain't, you ain't no joke. You get the job done. And your God did that. He blessed you. You did, this, you did the schoolwork. You went to school, but God blessed you. And you trust him. I'm going to check him out. That's our witness, brothers and sisters. You're that light. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Many people came to me. I love it. I'm going to end one day. I had a teammate when I was with the Miami Heat, and I, I prayed with him and um, about the Lord. And he happened to be um, part Jewish. And so he got traded to another team, and one we were, one day we were pl playing that team, he got traded to, and right before the game, he ran in, and he came to me and said, hey, Billy, thanks for praying for me and telling me about Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord now. And he did it like that. Gave my life to the Lord, man. We hugged. I said, man, that's great and all. He said, yeah. And he ran back out because it was before the game. And I was still standing there like, just taking it all in, like, man, this, that's what it's all about. Man, that's some good stuff. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Dr. Cynthia is going to come. Amen. Glory to God. Love you, baby. Bless you. Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Am I on? Am I on? Praise God. Come on, just lift up your hands for a few moments. Father, we just bless you. Lord, we just thank you. For this atmosphere, Father God, we just shut down all other activity that is not of you. And Father, we just bless you right now that this is a place where your kingdom reigns. And so, Father, we just thank you that we're open to receive from the heavens. And we bless you for your poor. We bless you for the man of God and what he's just given. 
Father, that we take it into our hearts, that we hide it, that we will not sin against it, but we will remember all that you've said because we're going to need it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I want to pick up right there where um, my husband was talking about, because when we start talking this deep, it's, it's real serious. And you got to be spiritual to really understand what it is God is saying. We can no longer just be churchgoers. We must become those kingdom rulers. Um, everybody is woke. It's time for the church to wake up. I mean, people are um, experiencing things across the globe. When we lived in Israel, I believe that God took us into many nations. We've lived in Israel. We've lived in Turkey. We've been in extreme... Um, uh, fundamental Muslim nations where we were there and we had to stand in God, you know. And our children was in Israel when they were setting bombs um, across Israel. And they were saying, uh, my husband said to the kids, he said, if you guys, uh, we, we came together and we prayed as a family. And he said to them then, he said, we're going to stand for Christ. And I want you to know this because it was an issue. Should we get on the bus to go to school or are they going to bomb us? And my husband said to them, as we stood together and pray, say faith. As we stood together and pray in faith, he said to them, he said, you going to school. He said, now, if they were to bomb a bus or if anything were to happen, we're going to believe God is going to set angels around you to protect you. He said, but I believe God so much that if God is ready for us to go home, I don't care if you sit in the house, go in the closet, lock the door, put cellophane wrap around yourself. Come on, put everything you can to to protect yourself. If you're leaving here, you're going. How many of you know when we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching the gospel of salvation for an eternal place? Because we all leaving here. Do we agree? This is not your home, so wake up, wake up. See, we're living to try to get stuff, to try to anchor ourselves here, and this is not our eternal place. Every one of us are leaving here. God is wanting you to know that when he brought you here, that he wants you to come back to where he brought you from, and that is in the heavenly places with the Father. So he's setting us up for eternal life. Say eternal life. So he's wanting you to know that when the bullets show up and the threats show up, come on, and they try to do all things against you, you're knowing that you're anchored in Christ. You are so spiritually attuned, and you are ready. Whatever the world tries to do, you're not so concerned with what they're trying to do to take your e- this temporary stuff. You're saying that I'm preparing myself for an eternal purpose. So I just want to lo- lay down a few things real quick as we go into pro- prophetically flowing, and we're going to release you all to go. But a spiritual church, God was saying to me, all you're talking about is that we're needing to become spiritual. And so we've been talking about this a lot because we've been doing church, but yet we're not connected to God. And so God doesn't want you to just show up. He wants you to really be in him. You got to get anchored, okay? So a spiritual church is a church that brings growth. Say a spiritual church brings growth and we multiply. I believe God is trying to multiply the church. He's trying to help us to understand we don't just go to a church. We are the church. Say I am the church. So not that you just go to a church. I believe that he called us to be the church, but he assigns us to a church. So there is a difference between the church and a church. Are y'all with me? And so we get confused because we think because we're in the building on Sunday and we show up being the church. Come on. That is assigned to a church. When we get out of here, we don't know how to continue to be the church. And so people are looking at us and our lights are not shining. We do not. um, um, When we walk out the doors, we do not stay in our priestly place. And I don't care where you work on your job, where you're going in the world. God is not telling you to take off your priestly anointing because the people in the world needs to see a spirit God. They need to see love. They need to see light. Amen. They need to see people who are standing. No matter where you put me, I still confess Jesus. 
Oh, y'all better get with this because I'm telling you, there was these in the early church. The Bible talks about these disciples and how they were set in certain places and how they never lost their witness. And so when we start looking at the word of God, we're living in these times where you're being challenged in your witness. Do you really believe in Jesus? So, so we're in a time, guys, I want you to take note of this prophetically. We're in a time of dominion and takeover. And so dominion deals with kingdom. And so God has been trying to get us to be un- come out of this place of denominational living where we are bound in different church thoughts that I'm a, you know, I'm a Catholic, you know, I'm Episcopalian. You know how we go, you know, you know, I'm Protestant. You know, we came out of Baptist, you know. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, because the Catholic church, you ask people, they're Catholics. You say, do you believe in Jesus? They say, oh, I'm Catholic. Now, something wrong with that picture. Now, something is wrong that when I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? And you tell me about your church. Come on. This is the issue God had with the Samaritans. Are y'all hearing me? The Samaritans was there and they was building. Come on. The Bible talks about that Samaritan woman. When Jesus said, I need to be go through Samaria, they was dealing with confronting God. All throughout the scriptures, Paul and my preaching, they are over there and they are preaching a gospel in Athens. And they are saying, listen, y'all got many gods, but y'all still yet don't know who you serve. And so we got a nation that have allowed many gods, but yet we still don't know who we serve. That's why we're confused right now with Roe versus Wade. Okay, that's real sensitive right there. Now, when you touch that devil right there, that's real sensitive. Because most of us have known as women, we have probably had abortions. Come on. We got children that have gone through all kinds of things, rape, abuse. We understand it. We know that was the devil from hell to try to destroy us. Come on. Take our emotional um, uh, 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 altitude and begin to make us feel like we're in bondage and captivity. Let me tell y'all something. If you've had one, never had one, know somebody going to get one, I'm telling you it's still God. The blood still works. It worked if you had one. It worked if you don't get one. It's work if your children are struggling, your cousins. Come on. The people out on the street, the people you've not met. It's the blood that's going to heal us. It's the blood that's going to set us free. I'm telling you, you can't win this life without Christ. And so no matter what we've gone through, if we are making decisions and we are making decisions and choices in a non-spiritual thinking, then we are going to make them that are not going to be the best one God wants us to make. He says that these issues that we're dealing with is a life issue. All that we are all dealing with in this, in this room, it is life issues. And so when he talks about those life issues, he says you got to guard your heart. And you got to guard your mind. Why? Because out of those things flow issues. So he's trying to help you understand the thoughts that you take in. That means if you watch more of MTV, BET, that means if you watch more of the sports and all the stuff in the world, how to build your portfolio and make yourself great. If you're only watching those things and feeding thoughts, if you're sitting around people who are negative, who only speak about things that is just like low, we call it low frequency. It's that light and dark. It's like low frequency. If you're only taking in low frequency of thoughts, then it's going to put your heart in a position where you don't have enough high frequency to be able to block yourself and make the best choices for your life when you have to make them. You're going to make bad choices and you're going to be miserable. You're going to be upset. You're going to be disgruntled because you feel like the choices you're making and you make your choices. Oh, y'all better hear me. Everything in your life you're living right now, if you don't like it, change the way you think. Come on. Sometimes we got to get people off our email. We got to get people off our phone. We got to stop talking to people because they are taking away our spiritual edge. And we need to be more spiritual now than ever. God is looking for a body of people that can rise up, not just looking alike, but thinking alike. 
we got to think like God. We got to think in oneness. We got to think on one accord. And so we're in these places where God is trying to bring the church to a spiritual place so we can grow. Say grow. I don't know about y'all, but the church is up, um, up under such attack that we've lost our witness. People are struggling. They say we went from shifting to drifting. So we got folks, we say, well, it's time to shift. Well, we don't know what that means. Some people are drifting, and they're not shifting because we're confused. Because the world systems and the world societies and the things that is happening, let's talk about what is the world. The world is walking out that door and dealing with anybody. They may be in the lobby, any person that has not. Listen, the world is what we are now living in, how we function in our daily activities. It is what we do in the systems that was created for us to function in. So when we say the world, it's like, oh, we're not talking about the witches and the devils and the demons. We're talking about systems. So when we start talking about systems, God's kingdom said, I came to set you free from being in the bondage of the system of this world. So no matter what the government begins to say, you can say to yourself, God has freed me from being in bondage to the systems that the governments of this world is creating that is not the government of God. Okay, y'all going to need to know this. I'm going to tell you right now. So we're trying to give you a little bit of education because we're in our 36th celebration year. And so when we come to 36, that's a whole nother number because three and six, when we start breaking it down, three is the number of unity, is the number of agreement. When we start talking about what this year is about, God is trying to bring us into prophetic enlightenment. And the prophetic is not just for you to prophesy as a prophet. The prophetic is a spiritual realm in which you have the ability to access if you believe in Christ. The only problem with us as believers is that we don't ascend in prayer. We don't keep ascending to even get to the point where we want to think like God because we got to change. Say change. And when you are now ascending in spiritual places, you are able to access knowledge that you did not have until you got there. Now we got to make an exchange. You got to cast this off because you are healed. You got to cast it off because you're already free. See, when the enemy is trying to keep you in bondage, God said, that's not my mind concerning you. And when you can know the word of God and when you can sit in that spiritual place, you can cast down every thought that comes to you, come to your house, come to your children, you say, no, God said. And I promise you, if you stand in faith on what God said, out of that immaterial world, you can produce what you want to see materialize. That's called faith. And so God is trying to teach his people because we are in this time of dominion and takeover. We're in a time of increase. Can you believe it? And wealth transformers. Come on, I came to bring you good news. We're in a time of harvest. We're in a time of abundant blessings. And the Lord is doing it in the midst of pandemics. He's going to bless you in the midst of crises. God's going to bless you in the midst of war. God's going to bless you in the midst of judgments. God's going to bless you in the midst of loss. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm blessed to be a blessing. And God is trying to bless you. He's trying to show people that in the midst of the hardest seasons, we grow the strongest. Come on. In the midst when things are going the worst, God said, I raise up an army. And God needs the world to see the church arise. He needs the world to see that I'm blessed. Going in, blessed coming out. All my needs are met. All my debts are canceled. Come on. I'm thriving. I'm not just surviving. I'm thriving. I'm in the days of thriving. And God is wanting the people to see who are lost, who are struggling, who's confused, who's in doubt, that they can, we can speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to move. How would they know that you are a believer in Christ Jesus? That when things get dark, you're able to stand in the midst of it. He say, prophesy to the mountain and tell it to move. But you can only do that if you know who you are. 
And so that's what my husband, my husband is saying, he's saying, you got to know who you are. So let's go back here prophetically. I'm going to tell you because when you were speaking of possibility, I was thinking that as much as we talk about what the word says, we got people in the room that you're struggling. You're struggling. You got heart issues. You're angry. Life just didn't work out the way you thought. You know, we have a plan, right? I had one. I was singing. I had a singing contract. I was modeling for years. I was going on my journey, living in New York. I thought I was going to be a big-time artist. They had signed me with a contract. I was, you know, I had my thing going on. My husband was playing ball. He could have still been playing. He walked away and said, I'm going to do God. We could have still been doing the things that is always going to be there for you to do. There's an offer, but we are selling our soul for a bowl of compromise. We're selling our soul. See, this ain't going to be always. See, we, we have moments that we don't understand. We're seeing a senior uh, generation. They got 36 years they ran to build something, to hold something for another generation to walk in succession, to take it till it's next. And we can't hold nothing long enough for the babies that's coming along to rebuild something that is greater because we're in so much doubt. We are, in so, we are so broken. We are so beat down. Come on, we're so angry. We're so mad because on our watch, somewhere in my life, I made bad choices and I'm angry because it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out but the Bible says he'll work it all together for the good of those who love him even when it didn't go right God's gonna work it for me even when I made some bad mistakes God's gonna turn this thing around if I remain faithful it's just in a little moment God's gonna bring me back up you may have a down season but just in a little while you're about to rise just in a little minute you're about to see some things turn in your favor somebody say this thing is turning in my favor Oh, my God. God's going to turn it around. He said, let not your heart be heavy. Let not your heart feel troubled. Don't let your heart get yourself. Listen, let's flush some stuff out of our hearts today. Only reason why your heart is messed up because you're thinking wrong thoughts. You think the worst are not the best. Why? Because circumstances has produced some things in your life that has made you believe that God is not going to do what he said. Y'all don't want to talk about circumstances because we had a lot of them. But I know that the circle is not which, when we talk about circles, it's only the place in which you stand. When you move, y'all, see, kingdom is about movement. Soon as you thought me had, soon as the devil thought he had me, I bust the move. Soon as the enemy thought it was over, I bust the move. Soon as you thought this was the end, I bust the move. Kingdom is about movement. I'm moving. I'm moving all the time. As soon as you think you trapped me, bam, I'm gone. See, kingdom is about movement, guys. And we got to remember this, that God will give you a witty idea to keep you moving. It's called strategy. It's called stratagems. It's called the apostolic and the prophetic realms of intelligence. We're trying to get it, but we're getting it from people who didn't get it from God. And people who didn't get what they got from God that you're so submitting yourself to that you're chasing behind because it looked like they got something that they're going to lose next week. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I said it looks like they got something great that they may not even have next year. But you're modeling a pattern of what someone has seduced you in because you're believing that in that it's going to sustain you. And God is telling you that only what you do for him going to last. All this stuff was designed. It has a time on it. And so we're in the year that God has been declaring to us prophetically. We're in days of appointed times. 
So there were some things that could not happen until you came to this time. Things God has been holding, waiting for 22. 22 is an incredible year. It's an incredible number when we talk about 21. You have been going through the things in your life being set up. And the only reason why you did not leave out of the last, y'all better hear me, it was a fire drill. Some people went home because it was time for them to go. And some people, come on, it was their time that was up. Some people weren't ready to go to the next secession. God is bringing us to next secession. And he's saying that this is his world. He's saying that while you're still breathing, while you're still here, what are you doing with the time you have? Because you're in an appointed time to fulfill something that nobody else can fulfill but you. And so listen. So when we start talking about year 36, we're talking about celebration and honoring. What somebody went before you, because we're all standing on the shoulders of somebody that did something before us. So when we think we can be great on our own, that's a trick. That's a lie. Because the devil will make you think you don't need nobody. And he'll send you off on your side and you'll become so self-consumed with what you're trying to produce within yourself that you will kill yourself. And so we're crashing because we have no emotional quotient. I want all the young people to hear me because what we did not develop, we did not develop the ability of our EQ to handle while we went to school to get all our IQ. And so now we're dealing with AQ and we're crashing. What is AQ? Adversity. As much as you write vision boards that you want to be great and God wants you to be great, as much as you've sat in all the labs of, of, of learning and being empowered, you were not working on your EQ. What am I meaning? You were not working in your emotional quotient. You were not taking time to develop your emotional stance. What am I saying? I'm talking about your soul issues. I'm talking about we're crashing right now. We mad at each other. The church is turning on each other. We can't stand each other. We're in wars of brother against brother. We don't even see the persecution that's coming against us. And the enemy is hitting us because we don't have our identity intact. And so now God is saying as much as we've had vision workshops, we wrote it down a million times how we're going to be great. We are mad because it didn't happen on the clock when we thought it should have happened. And everything is in God's timing. And if God said for you to be a billionaire, you're going to be one. If he got to do it in one day to recover everything, to ask Israel. If God's got to do it in one day, I'm t- all you got to do is stand and say, all I know is God said. The Bible says Paul was given an assignment and he said to, he stood before him when he went before God. God told Paul, Apostle Paul, he says, Paul, this is going to be your journey. He says, you're going to go to, um, he says, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to stand before Caesar. <laughs> The Bible says before Paul got there, he was shipwrecked. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. He was beaten. Come on. He was in prison. This man, Apostle Paul, went through so much, but he got one word from God. He says, now, I'm going to tell you your end result is that you're going to end up in Rome, and you're going to stand before Caesar because Caesar has the highest counsel, and Caesar is going to overturn, defend, and back you and be able to recover you. And what I said, I got to get you to Rome on his journey. Don't tell us about journeys. On our journey, many things happen. But do anybody have a word from the Lord that God has given you a promise that there was something he set for you to fulfill that nobody can fulfill but you? And so every time Paul got to a situation, the Bible says Paul looked at certain things that showed up on his journey and he kept looking at it. And all he would say is that all I know is that this ain't Rome and your name ain't Caesar. So this can't be my end. When you get a word from God, Mark, 
and God tells you that I predestined you to be something great, and then life shows up because God is making you for what he created you for. Life makes you for what you were already created. You was created in the heavens. God had a brilliant idea to get you here. And you was born in the time you were born in because God needed to make sure what was in you would be now. The ability you had in you was going to be able to stand against the darkness that was coming in the earth. He knew how many light beings he, he needed. He knew when he was going to save you. God knew when he was going to deliver you. You're the one that's redeeming your whole bloodline. You're the one that's setting everything back in place. And the only reason why it's been hard for you because you got a whole lot of people that's counting on you that you don't even know yet. Your children's 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 children are believing that you're going to do something in the earth that's going to create a portal for them to walk through, that's going to make their life easier because they had a great, great, great grandmama and a great, great, great granddaddy that did not give up on God. You are the secession plan. God didn't have another plan. It was you. Somebody say it's me. It's the church. He don't have no other plan. The church. He said he's going to use the church to destroy the enemy. And so you are the church, not just a church. You are the church. Plan A, plan B, plan C is the church. Okay, so listen. So he says we're in these days where there's going to be so many things going on because many things have changed dramatically. And it will continue to change in order to bring his people back to original pattern. So God has spoken to us, and he's bringing us now. He says God is, is, is causing us to come into the, into the things that he wants us to possess because of promise and fulfillment, because of purpose. Say purpose. Days of fulfillment. When we are fulfilling purpose, it brings glory to God. That's why the enemy don't want you to know who you are. Because if you ever stepped into your real identity, if you ever came into who you really, y'all better hear me. If you ever came into your God-given true identity, you were terrified every, every demon of hell that ever showed up. In your worst day, you're better than the devil. Because the light of God is in you. And when that light showed up, it gave you dominion, ruleship, authority, and power. He says, when you see anything that is lacking, call it back. Because in you, there are systems of multiplication. Are you kidding? He said, I put in you systems that can replenish and multiply. That means that whatever you want to see happen, he said, I put creativity in you. I brought you all the way back from the end. We're in the days of beginning. He says, when you come to the end, we're in a new era called beginning. That's why we came to the year 2022 and everything was being shut down and reset because we're in a new beginning. But God is telling us this. As I bring you to the ending, I bring you to the ending, a beginning. So what I'm going to tell you this, when you're walking out the end of something and you're coming into the beginning, he says, what I want you to do is in the beginning, do what I did. Okay. Somebody got it. The Bible says in the beginning. God did what? He spoke. And when he spoke, he did what? He created. He said he created. What did he create? Everything he wanted to see. The Bible says the earth was dark. It was void and it was chaotic. God looked in the midst of darkness. <laughs> I don't know what you see, but God looked, Lauren, in the midst of darkness, and he called forth what he wanted. You can't do this if you don't have vision in you. You can't do this if you don't have light in you. Kingdom people have the ability to see in the midst of hurt and pain, they can call recovery. See, see, you can look at people who are sick and broken. That's why people can walk in miracles, because I'm looking at you, and I see you walking and running. 
When somebody else is looking at you and seeing you crawling, God can look at you and say, he calls out of you what's in you. He says, I put light in you, so I'm calling it out of you, and I'm telling in the light. I'm communicating to the light. I'm telling dark, hold down, light come forth. Why? Because what's in the light have creative ability to set it back to God's original purpose, God's original intent. He's not a broken God, dysfunctional God. God is not in the business of you being sad, unhappy, miserable. He says, no, that's not my mind for you. I don't know where you got that thought for, but I didn't wake you up this morning to come to church to be sad. I didn't wake you up this morning to get in here where you feel defeated. He said, no, I woke you up to be a champion. I woke you up to win. I woke you up this morning that you may conquer. I woke you up that you would get up and rise and take dominion. Why? Because I made you to be more than a conqueror. We didn't wake up to fail. Somebody say, I woke up to win. You better tell your neighbor, say, I woke up to win. Woo, Jesus. Glory. Woke up to win. You got to get so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you look at stuff and say, I'm not going down. No, but so I came from the projects. Any project people, I came from the projects. Had my first baby at 17. Went to go get an abortion with my son. See, I tell the truth. Some of us are struggling because we don't live in truth. But truth will bring healing. Truth will set you free. I was so broken. I was 17 years old living in the projects. Didn't know who I was. And at 17, keep going, baby, because I got the closing prophesy. But listen, at 17, I went to go get an abortion with my son. Because by the time they got all these conversations going on, well, what happened if the person don't realize they're pregnant till later? We know those stories, honey. Had an abortion. Had to ask for repentance and forgiveness. We, we know what that means. Any mother, this is real. The time you have to find yourself with life on the inside of you and you're making decisions. And we know what it is to make bad choices, but we're trying to survive. Because we don't have enough spiritual life to give us the ability to stand against the adversity because we're emotionally crippled. 17, how can I do this? You got babies after babies, come on. My first child at 17. I say, God, how am I going to do this? My first boyfriend, my first love, got pregnant. No, I didn't try to get pregnant, but if you have sex, you just may get pregnant. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what they tell you, you better know. I mean, all the young babies, it's so much they're showing you, and they make it look so seducing and so simple. But it's some life consequences coming out of the choices we make. And what we're crashing is, is that we don't want to deal with the consequences. The consequences are deadly. Ask, ask, go ask Cain. He said, Cain, your blood, this came up before me. He said, he said, you killed your brother. God is not a God of murder. I don't care where you put it. I, I don't care. I had to repent. Repent. There's repentance for all the wrong we've done. If you're on death row, there's repentance. I don't care. We got to come back to being the church and speak the word of truth that people can get healed. Not a word to tear down, but a word to build up hope. A word to tell you that there's a God that can bring you out. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what is happening. There is a God that can bring you out. Ask me. Cain, God said to Cain, he said, your brother... His blood is crying out to me. The blood cries out. 
You may go home, but the blood is crying out. There's a cry that goes out from blood. And so when he said that your brother, your brother blood is crying out to me, Cain looked around. He was like, oh, my goodness. He had no idea that out of his insecurities, his inadequacies, his inability to give God what he asked. See, it's a dangerous thing that you give God just something and don't give him what he asked for. Too many times we just give God something. And you still find your life broken. You still don't see things. The blessings don't show up. Blessings come out of obedience. And not to what you want to do. It's what he asks. He's God. It's a sacrifice, guys. We got to make choices every day. Are we going to keep preaching the gospel? My husband and I had many offers to do many things. We said, no, Jesus. Not selling out. The offer's going to show up, people. Cain said, <laughs> God said to Cain, your brother blood is crying out. And he said, oh, tried to do a moment. He didn't know what to do. And God begins to now bring down the judgment. Cain said to him, he said, you, this is a hard thing. How can I bear this? I can't handle the judgment. I can't deal with the consequences. My emotions led me here. I was jealous it got me here. I, I, I was in fear. I made that choice. You understand? I, I just didn't understand. I made some choices. But your choices lead to choices. And I don't even know why I'm here today, but I'm going to minister to you. Because there's too many people in this room that when you walk out of here, you need life. He keeps telling us, choose life. Choose life. Choose life, guys. He got you. Can't say this is too much. I can't handle this. He, he, he said, I, I, where, where can I go? There's a mark on me. There's a stigma. But I thank God that when we look at it, the Bible says that Cain had no genealogy. He was not even connected in the lineage of God. So that means that by the times the serpent came into the garden, you know, we hear these stories and we think it's a joke. We're dealing with spirits. The same that was in the beginning, the same that are in the end. When God created in the beginning, come on, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost was there. Here we see three. Everything is done in the power of three, unity and agreement. We're celebrating 36 years. I'm just telling you prophetically what's happening in here. We got 36 years. There's three threes. Three plus six is nine. We got three, three, three. What is God saying to us that we gathered here today? Three is an indivisible number. God created everything in three in unity and agreement. He said, I had to get you here because you can't produce until you come to nine, which is the number of birth, because you are fully matured. You're able to give birth to something next. When you get to the 36 or when you get to nine, there's full maturation. That means that you should be able to produce something now that has something in it to sustain itself that's next. Honoring and celebrating. Let's go back because I'm going to close this. But I was 17 having a baby. And I don't even know why I'm here, but I always follow the Holy Spirit. I don't care about the devil. I speak the truth. Only the truth got me living. It has been a guard around me to defend me. It's pure innocence with no motive. Just to help people get to where they need to go. That's what the apostles did. They bared their life. Their life. They were martyred. 
And so while we're trying to figure out, is the Bible real? We, know we got philosophies from everybody that's talking that has gathered and gleaned something that comes out of truth. But now we messed up with truth because we got all kind of truths. Right? We got universal truth. We got the truth that comes from the hair salon. We got the truth from the barbershop. We got our personal truth, societal truth. We got all kind of truths. And then we got the truth that comes from series. And then we got another truth that comes from um, Alexa. Right? They truth. The young people tell you that's the truth. Mama, you don't know, Daddy, you don't know. They told me, series, Alexa, they said, and so I'm getting my Wikipedia definitions. And all of it is fallen knowledge. It is man's ability to interpret eternal truth that fell away from eternal truth that is trying to now make it make reason and sense. That it's a twist of manipulated in it that make you make choices because it makes sense, but it doesn't make faith. Because in order to do God, guys, to please him, it takes this one thing called faith. Faith is belief. What do you believe? Well, I, you know, I believe in God, but I have a whole lot of other gods. And so the one that I trusted in the most is going to win the bid. So though I believe in Jesus, there's a lot of other altars in my heart. And God is not in competition with no other God. Because we just don't trust. How many of you know we've gone through life? People have disappointed you, lied on you. Things didn't go the way you wanted. And if you was like me growing up, my mama said you always got to put some money up under, you know, we tuck it under the mattress, put it in your bra, do something with it, but hold it in case that man don't do what he's supposed to do, honey. Have you some money on the side. Now, that's what we were taught. So we was taught from children how to make sure we take care of us because I don't trust nobody to do it. And if that's what you were taught, it's morphing and it's molding you into an identity of a thought that makes you not even trust God to provide. Just in case he fail. Because we've been in church, but we've been praying to pray. We have faith in our faith, but nothing is connected really to God. Like, who is God? The Bible says he's love. Well, we got an issue with that word because in the name of love, many of us have been very, very hurt. But that wasn't agape. That wasn't his love. It was maybe the love that was arrows that attracted you into some things and you followed it because it led you into a situation that the consequences was horrible, but you thought it was love. And it was love. It, it was the love that made you feel. It was the love that made you see. It talks about the lust of the eye. But then there's another love called phileo, right? It is the brotherly love. It is when we are in connection with somebody and you know that's the next level. It's like, I know we got something in common because Eros teaches us relationship from attraction. I like your shoes, I like your shirt. He was, I like your style, I like your hairdo. So there is an attraction that draws us into a place of some type of commonality and so we begin to have a conversation. While we're talking, I realize that there are some thoughts you have that we think the same, so let's enter into something else called brotherly connection. So then we make an agreement and now we go into relations, but relations is what we see on our job because relations are those beneficial things, right? It's giving you something, but they benefit the most from it. So when you enter in phileo a lot of times, and that's what most of us are, we're in relationships with people, but we're really not in it for the death. We're in it to what we can benefit out of it. And so that's how we sit. Soon as you do something I don't like and you do something that don't make me feel good, I'm out of here. Pastor, you mess up because you know you're supposed to be perfect. Y'all not supposed to do nothing wrong. You're not supposed to have nothing in your life that happens the way it happens because we're humans. We're people. Made a decision to commit 36 years. To hold something open so you can sit in this chair today. And if they hadn't made a decision to hold it open, we wouldn't be in this place. You wouldn't even be hearing what I'm saying. 
You wouldn't even heard that word today that God needed you to hear because he's trying to unplug you out of deception. Because he's trying to get you in the place because in the midst of all the darkness, God is trying to keep you blessed. He's trying to bring you into a reality of the spirit that you only can get if you're in agape love because you got to know he loves you beyond all the stuff that you're dealing with, all the stuff that goes on. Though it may be bad, it's going to work for me. Though it may not feel good, it may not taste good. He said, I'm going to cause it to flip and work for you, but in it, I'm creating something in you that's going to give you emotional quotient that you'll be able to stand and handle the adversity that's going to come out of promotion. See, everybody writes big visions, but you don't understand when you're getting elevated to take on more, it brings more tax. It brings you to the spotlight now that everybody can't handle. So you got a lot of athletes, a lot of guys, a lot of people that comes into prominent positions, whether it's government, entertainment, right, our societal places. And we're seeing a preview of what it looks like to ascend to a place. And then everybody start hating you, talking about you, trying to figure out how they can tear you down. He says, are you ready for this? Because God wants to bring you to a place that's not about stuff. He says, I know it's true because he said, if they persecute you and they take your shirt, give them your cloak, give them your jacket. Why? You can let this stuff go that you put on yourself to cover you and keep you. Because the glory, <laughs> the glory is going to cover you. And in the glory, the light of glory runs so fast that it causes you to become invisible. Why? Because darkness can't comprehend the frequency of glory. It's moving too fast. It's coming out of the celestials. It's original light. You are lighted being. God had to slow down everything to put you in the body to get you on earth because it was slower than eternity. And so grace came. Grace is giving us time to find ourselves back to what we fell from. And the reason why things are speeding up and you're feeling the pressure of so many things because we're in a Kairos time. And Kairos tells us this, that it is the season of all things being fulfilled. So Kairos is saying, oh my God, time is not the same. Time is not the same. Grace is no longer going to hold you in a place. So we're seeing the exposure. We're seeing all kinds of things come forth because if, we as a, if we're serving a God that does judgment, then he has to give us the ability to bring what we want to the front. Because you're only going to be judged with your choice. Yes, you have choice. Uh-huh. But then he gives us a hint. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing. Choose life. Everybody in this room have choice. You can't take my choice, honey. You got choice. But I beg of you today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your choice become his choice. That you love what he loves and hate what he hates. That you begin to become one that will die for the cause of Christ and said, I'm so sold out to Jesus Christ that it is him that I live and move and I have my being. It is in him. Why do we stand 36 years to preach a gospel? Because we have sold out and died to something that we so believe. We believe it more than anything. Our kids had to watch us go to church sometimes when they wanted us to go to the game. Our children had to watch us not be available for birthday parties and celebrations because yes, those are human things and we understand that the children don't understand spiritual things that deep but we sold out he says it's better for you to remain single if you can handle it because when you take on the love of God and this covenant place in God you're going to be challenged what you're going to say no to and who you're going to keep saying yes to and if the people that's called with you don't love what you love them little babies them little children that you bring to church the ones that's in here today if you don't take time out mom and daddy when you leave this building and teach them how to come into a relationship of understanding God, the, 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 the easiest way you can give it to them. 
but they got to see it through you with love. Sometimes we're mean because we're still hurting. Sometimes we, we hurt each other. We say things. Kids hear you talk about their parents and different ones in the bathroom. They see you get on the phone when you get home and you gossip. And they're saying, this is Christ? Well, if that's Christ, I had more commitment and unity in the game. So they're making choices right now while you're hearing me. Hear me. Forgive us for some of the things that we've done that we made choices in that had nothing to do with God. Forgive us that we've set an example before you, all of you. I want to say this to the children that is here today on this 36th anniversary. I know it hasn't always been easy. I, I was there when you had to walk the floor and work the books and people didn't understand and you was really trying to do it because you believed in the vision for your parents. And sometimes we think that we're working this thing for mom and daddy, but it's bigger than them. And if we don't stretch to grow spiritual, if we don't come to a place, Tiffany, I'm telling y'all this. Because when we start saying next, we're challenged at a whole nother place. You didn't ask to be born to a mother and father that love God. But God loved you so much that he gave you parents that could give you something far greater than stuff. And we get in trouble because we end up with people who try to offer us things to make us feel like this is a deal. Like, you know what? You can do better if you just, you know, I, you know, I want to give you something great. You know, you need to get up out of there. You know, they, you, they, don't, they don't value you. You ain't worth nothing. Look at all you sacrifice. These people don't care. Like, we're sacrificing day, daily because of him. And he said this to me. He said, I went from being so rejected and broken to doing things looking for love to finding love and doing things now because of love. Not because I'm looking for people to give me what they can't. They can't give it to you. You find that in a presence with God. I had to cry till I couldn't cry no more. I had to minister to people who was the ones that would smile on your face and cut you because they're hurting. But he said, loveth thou these things more than me? And I'm telling y'all this today because we're at Choices. We're making choices, Kate. We're making choices, Kate. We're making them. Are we going to continue? He looked at the disciples and he says, who's going to finish? We're in secession. We're passing batons. Sometimes we get lost in, hall in hallways where we're ending something and beginning something. And God said, what was the ending is the beginning because the ending and the beginning is the same. And we start discrediting the beginning because we don't really value the ending. But the ending of something is the beginning of something great. And he says, but the two are one. He keeps trying to help us understand three is oneness. Three is unity. It's not easily broken. It can't be divided. This can't be divided. But he was there in the beginning of creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How do we get people to understand a God that is multi Multiverse, polytheistic versus monotheistic God. Three in one. What you're living right now, guys, as we say bye to the ending of many things you'll never see again, God is setting you up to be blessed. He's saying if you can see without seeing, blessed are those that having not even seen but believe. Because I got a sight to see. I see from within, not from without. So as we're closing, as we're getting ready to do this, keep my pants up. As we're closing and we're getting ready to do this, this is so important. This is so important. That you settle in your heart 
your issues with God. The God that you thought wasn't there, the God that you thought didn't show up, the God that you thought let all the bad things happen, the God that you only see from one perspective that the enemy has fed into your heart that makes you think God doesn't love you because he's narrowed love down to feelings. But agape is a non-emotional, committed, matured position of love that says, I love you even when you don't do everything I thought was just to benefit me. I'm in agape with you to the end. Because that love is not just about benefiting me. That love is about me dying to benefit the whole. For God so love the whole world, the ones that you don't, can't stand, the ones that you can't handle, the people that hurt you and broke you, God still love them. And how do we stand as those who speak for God when we can't stand people? He said, how do you love me when you can't love your brother that you see every day? How do you dishonor each other and talk to each other? But yet we show up in prayer saying, God, I love you. He said, go back. Before you can say that to me, go back and get it right. Because I'm in your brother. The same God is in your sister. The same God is in your niece's nephew, grandma, cousin. No matter what they've done, there is a God in there. And if you want to see it and you stand in it, then you stand in love and you call it forth. And you show up every day and you say, Mama, I see God in you. Grandma, I see it's coming forth. I ain't going to listen to what you say. I'm going to call forth what I want to see. And the more you say what you want to see, keep getting up. Because love doesn't give up. But until you get to agape, you're not qualified for what's next in the riches. Because God is giving out now this distribution, this allotment, a wealth transference that we all get excited about. It's going to require you to change your heart. Because this treasury is being so given. I'm telling you, in the midst of darkness, don't get deceived. God is taking some people and he's giving you double. Why? Because you're about to recover not only what you should have had, what you need to have to set things back for generations to come. So some of you are being downloaded with the ideas. Some of you are walking in a day that you're living in right now that you're getting innovative. God is waking you up. We've been prophesying that these things was going to come. New technologies out of heaven. I've been prophesying since 2014. He was going to download new technologies out of heaven. But this God is trying to bring you to as a registered place of light. It means it runs faster than the computer system. Because the church is supposed to lead. The body of believers supposed to live off a revelation knowledge that is out of eternal divine places that causes everything that we're sitting in. How do you think those things were created? Somebody is programming programs. Right? God wants you to be able to get a witty idea. He wants you to be able to get something that's coming out of heaven. Why do you need it? Because it has to be coded out of the fabric of glory so it can sustain itself through the darkness. What is being birthed now in this time? It's not just any old thing. What God has been holding in all of you, when you was frustrated and angry thinking, when is it going to happen? You told me it doesn't matter how old you are. God has something he hid in you and it couldn't come forth to an appointed time. So he says, no, your time is now. It can't be because I've been too discouraged. He said, come out of that sound and come back into my sound of truth. If I say you're going to birth and three plus six is nine and you're in the time of birthing, you're in a time of multiplying. You're in a time of building. You're in a time of creating. He says, when do I do it? In the dark day. In the dark day, God? He says, yeah, because I'm God. When people think ain't nothing going to happen, everything is happening. Ask John the Baptist. 
One foot in the Old Testament, another one in the New. In the middle of nowhere, John was declaring everything. Look at the scripture. God said, when I'm doing something, it can look like it's the worst. He says, but in it, I see something great. And I'm telling you this because though you're looking at your life and you're looking at the world and we keep watching MSNBC and and CNN and all the things that they are prophesying to us out of what they see, God is saying, but if you can see, you're going to see. Because there is something greater that he has for you in this day. Are y'all hearing me? Mothers, it's not over. Fathers, it's not over. Prophet Doreen, it's not over. Pastor Harry, it's not over. Your labor and your sacrifice ain't been in vain. It's just matured. You're just not doing it the same. You're doing it different. And it is the continuum. It is what you're going to look up and say, my God. The Bible says David was not even called to do what Solomon had to do. He said, David, you can't build this. But I'm going to give you a son. And they're going to be able to build something that I gave you a long time ago. And he says, it is an extension because it's still part of you. It came out of you. And so if we're in this really for God. We just want to see what God wants to get accomplished, what God continues, what God is going to do. And he's raising up another regime. And they have energy. They have anointing. They've been appointed. They have the ability to do what you can no longer do. But God trusted you to hold it. He trusted you to wait for the season of maturity through the hardest times that your next season will come and he will call them forth. And he will say, come forth and do what I call you to do. For it is time to pass the baton. It is time for the law of secession to work. And these are the days that we're in. Can I close by telling you, and I want you guys to come in a few minutes. But I had so much to talk about because the Lord has awakened us back to original intent. The Lord is trying to get us prepared for what is already that is next, that is now. It's already happening. You can think eventually, you know, it's happening now. We are ready. The future is now. And so it's time for us as believers to begin to see things beyond what we see. We got to see it. The year 2030, that's already here. We got to see what's happening around the earth We got to see what's happening with creation. We got to see where we are in the flow of creation. Because dark waves are here. Why? Because we're in a time of legal darkness. But God never meant for you to sit in it. He said, I'll prepare a place called Goshen. It's a place of light. If the light is in you, wherever you go, your reality is light. They can put you in jail and you will still be seated in a place of light. No matter where they put you, no matter what life is bringing, when you show up with joy and excitement and expectation, you begin to draw it out of nothing. You call it out of it. Why? Because I got too much light in me that what is in darkness has to come forth. Why? Because when I walk in the room, I light it up. People can be feeling bad, but when I showed up, everybody getting happy. Oh, come on. You could have been having your worst day, but when I showed up, the kingdom came. It is illegal to sit up under the kingdom mantle and still remain broken, stuck, and dysfunctional. No, the kingdom is here to liberate you today. Jesus said, the anointing is upon me. I've been anointed and appointed. Why? For such a days as this. Why? To go heal the sick and raise the dead. He said, I've been appointed. And everybody's not just physically dead. There are some people that are among us that are dead. They are living, but they're dead. He says, I've been appointed and anointed with all of my life to tell you this is the day of resurrection life. This is the day of hope. This is the day of joy. If you can believe it, you will see it.
So Prophet Doreen, pastors, can y'all just come for a moment? I'm going to say this. Making sure I close files that are open. That it's closed. That you're not sitting saying, well, she never finished that. But when I had my baby at 17, I had choices. And I'm telling you right now, by the time I got to time with them to do it, I was so far gone. They said, well, if you want to continue in this, you're going to have to go to another facility, and it became surgical. Something in me at 17 when I didn't want to be responsible, I didn't want to do this. I had so many goals in life, I thought I was going to, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I had to make a decision. Life was real. I had to make a choice. Am I going to go? And at that time, I'm thinking, man, this, this, if this is that next level, then wow, it's not just a blob. Something there that they said I got to go get surgery. And I remember thinking at 17, and I thought, man, I can't do this. And at that moment, I had to make a decision, guys. Here come death to die to me or something else to live. I had to make a decision. Hear me, y'all? We're making them every day. Am I going to go to work or stay in the bed? Right? Am I going to keep trusting God? To do what God said, or am I just going to go crazy and do whatever? I made a choice. I thank God. You know why? Because I was a child that could have been aborted because I was adopted. And my mother gave me away. And it was at that, that time that when I thought about it and I started thinking about it, I said, wow. I never thought I would have to make the same decision that my mom had to make concerning me. I didn't even know, but the spirits are generational. They come from the one person to the next. And you don't even realize that some of this stuff is generational that's revisiting our lives. And what sometimes your parents had to conquer or did not conquer is revisiting you. And then you sit there and you're in the cycle of it and you're thinking, man, I never thought I would have to make the same decision my mama had to make if she was going to keep me. And guess what she did? She made a decision to keep me. She never knew she would have had a baby that would be raised up to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I was born and had to be the one that she had to make a choice to live that become the one that God brought forth through love and life to help others to live and have life too. And I'm telling you today, because he's here to heal. He's here to forgive. He's here because it's time for y'all to let go. The only way we're going to step into this next line, you got to say bye. You got to let go. And letting go is not easy. But God said it's time. 